What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Martian MMA Podcast. I am your host, and my name is John, and this week we are back with episode 127, where we will be analyzing and predicting the UFC 256 pay-per-view going down this Saturday, December 12th, 2020, headlined by flyweight champion Davison Figueredo defending his belt against Brandon Moreno. This 10-fight card will take place from the UFC Apex in Las Vegas, Nevada, which means it will take place in a small UFC cage. Just a quick recap of last week's event, I did predict 6 out of 8 fights correctly on the podcast, but sadly lost 2.75 units on my official track bets. You can find all my track bets on my Bet MMA Tips page, where I am up around 37.8 units for the year of 2020 and look to get back on track with a winning weekend this weekend. I already have a few track bets for this card and will probably track a few more bets as we get closer to fight day i really like this card there's a lot of good underdogs in this card and it's a very stacked card from top to bottom so i'm really looking forward to it we're going to start things off with the first fight on the card in the featherweight division we have chase hooper taking on peter barrett the opening betting line for this one was hooper minus 313 to barrett plus 246 right now we are seeing hooper minus 340 to barrett plus 265 more action continues to come in on the favorite, Chase Hooper, who is already a pretty considerable favorite in this spot. And I understand why, because he is a pretty decent grappler. Barrett has bad takedown defense, but I got to say right off the bat, both these guys are pretty bad fighters in my opinion. Hooper is a really one-dimensional fighter. He's primarily looking to grapple. He has very bad striking defense, very poor striking offense, and his wrestling isn't even that good as well. So he really needs to get the fight to the floor to use his jiu-jitsu, and he can't really win fights without that. And Barrett, on the other hand, he has decent striking technique, but he has bad takedown defense. He's been hurt and knocked out before. He struggles getting off his back once he gets taken down. So both these guys have a lot of weaknesses. I will say that Hooper is the way better grappler, Barrett is likely the way better striker, but Barrett just has no way to keep the fight standing. His footwork isn't good, his takedown defense is bad, he was taken down in several fights by Yu in the Contender Series, by Zalal in his last fight, had his back taken by Zalal, who is not a great grappler, so I do think that Chase Hooper does get Barrett down, does likely get a dominant position on the mat, and probably find a submission somewhere along the line. But looking at this current money line price, there is no way you can trust Chase Hooper at this price. I don't even know if there's value on Barrett because I have no confidence in him to stuff takedowns or to make success happen in this fight. Maybe look to live bet Barrett if he's dealing with the takedowns okay in the first few minutes. If he is not on his back in dominant positions in the first minute or two of this fight, then Barrett might be a good live bet. So look out for that. Um, I think Chase Hooper does get it done by submission in rounds one or two, though. Uh, let's go with a round two submission for Chase Hooper, but it is dogger pass all day. Look to live bet Barrett as a big underdog if he's dealing with the wrestling well early. The next fight takes place in the women's strawweight division. We have Tisha Torres taking on Sam Hughes. The opening betting line for this fight was Torres the favorite at minus 450 to Hughes the plus 350 underdog. Right now over on Bet Online, we are seeing Torres minus 700 to Hughes plus 500. Sam Hughes is coming in here on very short notice to replace Angela Hill, who tested positive for COVID. So they brought in Hughes on about a week's notice to fight Tisha Torres here. And it's a shame they're throwing Hughes to the Wolves so early. And Tisha Torres, a veteran, a very good fighter. She still proved in her last fight against Brandon Van Buren that she's still a very good and capable fighter. But it's a shame they threw Hughes to Torres so quickly because Hughes looks like a pretty decent fighter. She's pretty small and skinny for the weight class, but she's got some pretty nice orthodox striking. She has ability to stuff takedowns. She's looked pretty good on her tape uh, against Invicta-level opponents, looked good in LFA. 
The only time she really struggled was in the Demopolis fight. She was winning that fight, outstriking Demopolis clearly, but got caught in a weird triangle from top position and got choked out cold with a triangle from the bottom. So she got caught in a weird submission, and that's really the only time we've seen her really struggle in her MMA career. So she looks pretty promising, but I really don't give her much of a chance here against Tisha Torres. Tisha is just so much more experienced. She's going to be much stronger. She's going to be able to bully Hughes in the clinch with her strength, and she has pretty good technique in the clinch as well good offensive striking with her knees and elbows. I could see the distance striking in this fight being mildly competitive. That is where Hughes is at her best, and she might have some reach over Torres, but I do expect Torres to eventually get the better of the distance striking to get the fight into the clinch, maybe hit her own takedowns, and use her experience advantage to get this fight in her favor. I think Torres has a pretty significant athleticism advantage too, so I think the line is a bit wide at this point, plus 500 for Hughes. If you want to take a small stab, I do not blame you, but I think that Torres deserves about 80% in this fight. Um, I give credit to Hughes for coming in on short notice, but I think she loses this fight via decision. Uh, so the pick is going to be Tisha Torres by decision. The next fight takes place in the featherweight division. We have Billy Quarantillo taking on Gavin Tucker. The opening betting line for this one was Quarantillo minus 142, Tucker plus 120. Right now, over on Bet Online, we are seeing Quarantillo minus 160 to Tucker plus 140. There is two way action coming in on this fight. The early action came in on Tucker. The fight was a near pick em earlier on in the week, but people have been betting Billy Quarantillo heavily all week long. There's been very little pushback on Gavin Tucker's side, and I gotta disagree with that line movement. I think that Gavin Tucker is getting a bit disrespected here. Quarantillo could be getting a bit overrated, and I think that this fight is a lot closer than this line indicates. So this is going to be a Southpaw versus Orthodox matchup. We got Tucker, who is the Southpaw on the feet, Quarantillo, who is Orthodox. And the striking is pretty even between these two, but I will give a slight advantage to Gavin Tucker because I think he's much better defensively. And I have a feeling that the Southpaw striking will give Quarantillo issues. I think it's safe to say Billing Quarantillo is a pretty slow starter. He lost round one versus Kirk on the Contender Series. He lost round one versus Spike Carlisle. And he had a very competitive round one in his most recent fight against Kyle Nelson, where when Kyle Nelson was aggressive and throwing volume, throwing a lot of punches at Quarantillo, Quarantillo did not have good boxing defense. He ate a lot of clean right hands in that first round, and it was a debatable round. I think that Quarantillo did win it, but I did see some people giving it to Nelson. But I think there's a pretty common trend that Quarantillo starts slow in round one. So when you combine the fact that Quarantillo tends to start slow, he doesn't have great boxing defense, and he's shown pretty bad takedown defense as well, getting taken down by Kirk and Carlisle. And that brings us to another aspect of this fight is the grappling, which I think favors Gavin Tucker. I think I've seen a little bit better wrestling, top game, submission attempts from Tucker. I think I've seen him outgrapple better opponents. Quarantillo does have decent offensive grappling. He outgrappled Kilburn. He was eventually able to outgrapple Spike Carlisle and Kyle Nelson in their fights. But I do think that Gavin Tucker is a little bit better technically. I think I trust him more to hit takedowns and to keep top position. So... I give Gavin Tucker a pretty significant grappling advantage. I give him a slight striking advantage. And then what we talked about earlier, that Quarantillo is a slow starter, doesn't have great boxing defense, doesn't have reliable takedown defense. I will note that Quarantillo is pretty good at adapting mid-fight. He usually loses round one, but he comes on strong in rounds two and three. He has good cardio, good pace and pressure, and he never quits after losing round one. So I will give him credit for that. But I think that he loses round one here versus Tucker, and I'm not really confident in, in him to win those last two rounds because I think Gavin Tucker is a very skilled fighter. I think he has a lot of advantages in this fight, and I'm actually going to be picking Gavin Tucker to win. 
And looking at his current price of plus 140, I think there's a considerable amount of value there. I think I might actually cap Gavin Tucker as a slight favorite in this spot. So I think it's going to be a two-unit play for me on Gavin Tucker's money line. I haven't locked in my bet yet because his price just keeps going up. People continue to bet Quarantillo, so I will wait till I get the best price possible to lock in my action. But I really like Gavin Tucker in this spot. I think he either wins by round three finish or a decision. I will go with Gavin Tucker by decision as my official pick. The next fight takes place in the lightweight division. We have Rafael Fiziev taking on Hanato Moicano. The opening betting line for this one was Fiziev minus 115 to Moicano minus 105. Right now over on Bet Online, we are seeing Fiziev minus 146 to Moicano plus 126. More action coming in on Rafael Fiziev, and I disagree with the action. I think that Fiziev is getting a bit overrated after his two recent dominant striking performances over Dia Casey and Alex White, and he actually stuffed 15 of 15 takedowns in those two fights as well. Neither of those guys are great wrestlers or grapplers, but Fiziev does come from a striking background, a Muay Thai background, and you got to figure that his grappling, his defensive grappling is probably his weakest aspect of MMA and considering the fact that he stuffed 15 to 15 takedowns in those fights and there's actually no footage of him being taken down in his regional fights you got to give a lot of credit to Fiziev he clearly has pretty good takedown defense and it hasn't really been tested against really high level wrestlers I think that Moicano is probably the best grappler that he has fought so it's going to be a real interesting test will moicano pursue that wrestling because no doubt once the fight gets to the floor moicano is the much better grappler but it really comes down to wrestling moicano doesn't have super reliable wrestling fiziev has pretty good takedown defense so i think you have to go out on a bit of an assumption on either guy here you either have to trust fiziev to stuff takedowns from the best grappler he's ever fought or you have to trust Moicano to penetrate the takedown defense of Fizia, which has never been penetrated before. He's never been taken down before. So I think this fight is pretty hard to predict. It's a very high-level fight. It's a shame this fight is on the prelims because this is really an elite-level fight in my opinion. Now, getting down to the striking in this matchup, I do give Rafael Fiziev a slight striking advantage. I think he's the better pure striker from a technique perspective. But in terms of relevant MMA experience, I think that Moicano is the much more experienced and proven fighter in MMA, even in terms of striking. I mean, he has incredible boxing. He has great timing on his leg kicks. He really is a phenomenal striker. He was outstriking Aldo in round one of their fight. He cleanly outstruck uh, Calvin Cater and Jeremy Stevens, dominated those guys with his boxing and his leg kicks. He's got a really slick jab. So Moicano is no joke on the feet. I think a lot of people assume that if this fight is standing, then Fiziev automatically wins. And I am not convinced of that at all. I think that Moicano will compete very well on the feet and possibly even win moments in the striking here. And looking at some striking stats for this fight, I think that the leg kicks will be very relevant in this fight. Fiziev does not really deal with leg kicks very well. Mark Casey threw 22 leg kicks and 18 of them connected. So it doesn't really seem like Fiziev has much initiative to check leg kicks. And Moicano really dismantles his opponents with leg kicks, especially in that orthodox versus orthodox matchup, which we will be seeing here. This is an amazing fight, amazing matchup. But when it comes down to analyzing it, I do think that Hanato Moicano is getting a bit underrated in this betting line. I think that the value is on Moicano in the spot. I think he has more ways to win. I think he could win the fight competing in the striking on the feet. And I think, of course, he can win by hitting those takedowns and getting the fight to the floor using his massive grappling advantage to outgrapple and to submit Fiziev. Uh, the fight really comes down to takedown defense, in my opinion, and how hard Moicano pursues the takedowns. If Moicano doesn't pursue any takedowns, I do think he likely gets outstruck to a decision here. 
but I really trust Moicano to mix in the clinics, mix in the takedowns, get this fight to the floor where he has a big advantage, and to win this fight by either submission or decision. I'm actually leaning with decision. Fiziev's defensive grappling has looked pretty good, but I do think that he does spend some time on his back. He does get taken down, and the striking will be very even between these two. So I'm going with the more proven, the more experienced fighter in Hanato Moicano. Amazing fight between these two, and I'm picking Moicano by decision. Already have one unit tracked on Moicano at plus 125. I didn't get the greatest price on him because he did go up to plus 135 at times, but if you want to enter in on Moicano, I think the time is now. Plus 126, 130 is where he's at market-wide. So Moicano is the pick here. The next fight takes place in the featherweight division. We have Cub Swanson taking on Daniel Pineda. The opening betting line for this one was a minus 110 pick him on both sides. Right now over on Bet Online, we are seeing Pineda minus 162 to Swanson plus 142. Needless to say, more action is coming in on Daniel Pineda, and I'm going to disagree with the action. I understand Pineda being a slight favorite, maybe minus 130, based on youth, athleticism, and the fact that he's been more active. He did get that nice TKO victory over Herbert Burns just a few months back. But I think in terms of overall skill, in terms of what these guys have done in their careers, Cub Swanson is getting a bit disrespected here. We do have to mention that Cub Swanson is coming off of a knee surgery. I believe he tore his ACL in a jiu-jitsu competition last December. But Swanson has taken a lot of time off to get the surgery, to rehab it. And I believe that he is intelligent enough to come back if he is only near 100%. I don't believe that he's coming back for money or for any ulterior motive or anything like that i think he's coming back because he believes he's still the same fighter he was before the surgery and he wants to win this fight so i trust cub swanson here i think that if he comes in anywhere near the fighter he was in the crone gracie fight if he comes in 80 percent of that fighter i think that he will give daniel pineda a very tough fight and getting over to pineda here Pineda has been looking good lately. He's on a pretty long win streak, but a lot of those wins are against lower-level competition, and a lot of those wins are early finishes, first two-round finishes, and I think Pineda is very untested late in the fights. He looked good cardio-wise versus Herbert Burns, but Burns is a pretty low-level opponent in my opinion. Pineda handled him accordingly. His takedown defense, his defensive grappling looked pretty sharp in that fight, though. Pineda does like to attempt offensive takedowns at times and get his grappling going, land ground and pound. He's pretty good at landing ground and pound from top position. But Cub Swanson's takedown defense is very good. The last guy who tried to take Swanson down a lot was Frank Yeager, and he failed all eight times. So I think that Swanson's takedown defense is good enough to stuff any takedowns. And the fight will likely end up a striking fight between these two. And I just trust the experience, the boxing of Cub Swanson. He's a very skilled boxer. And Pineda's aggressive. He can be effective at times in the feet. But I don't think he's too defensively sound. I do not think that he's good late in fights. And I think he's kind of a, a front runner. So I do expect Daniel Pineda to have some early success in this fight. He is typically very aggressive in round one. And Cub Swanson could be starting a bit slow after this year-long layoff, after the injury. But I think as the fight goes on, we will see Cub Swanson's experience advantage come out. I think we will see a bit of a striking advantage for Cub Swanson. And I think that his cardio will look better in the later rounds as well. Now, looking at the current price of Cub Swanson at plus 140, I think we are going out on a bit of an assumption, thinking that he will be the same fighter he was before the knee surgery. Uh, but I'm comfortable making that assumption at plus 140 for a small bet, around a one unit, one and a half unit bet on Cub Swanson, because I do think that he has a lot of value as the underdog. And I'm going to pick him as my official pick here. I'm going to pick him to weather the early storm of Pineda, use his experience, his striking, and his cardio advantage late in the fight to outstrike Pineda to a decision. 
decision. So the pick is going to be Cub Swanson by decision. I wouldn't go too heavy on the Cub Swanson pre-fight bet. As I mentioned, only one, one and a half units. And maybe look to add some more in the live bets because, as I mentioned, Pineda starts fast. He might have early success, but I think Cub Swanson will find his way into the fight. And you might get a better price on Cub Swanson live. So the pick for me is going to be Cub Swanson by decision. The next fight is the first fight on the main card in the heavyweight division. We have Junior Dos Santos taking on Ciro Gane. The opening betting line for this one was... Gane minus 270 to Junior Dos Santos plus 230. Right now we are seeing Gane minus 425 to Dos Santos plus 325. A lot more action is coming in on the favorite Ciro Gane in this one. And I'm going to disagree with the action. I think that Gane deserves about 75% in this fight. But I wouldn't go as high as 80-83% like the line indicates now. So I do think it is dogger pass. I think there's some slight value on Junior Dos Santos. Because this is the toughest test of Sirogane's career. Dos Santos has been around for 20 years fighting every single heavyweight ever. So this is nothing new to him. He's fought tons of young up-and-coming guys before. And this is going to be a tough test for Sirogane. Now I have to mention that I do think Junior Dos Santos is pretty much shot. I think his durability and his athleticism is pretty much gone. But his technique is still there. He still has good eyes. He still has decent defense at times. But he just can't really take big shots. You saw in that uh, Jairzina Rosen strike fight. He was winning that fight. It was a close competitive striking fight. But in round two he just got caught with two consecutive punches. And he dropped hard and could not recover. So it is just very clear that Dos Santos' durability is pretty much gone he cannot absorb big punches at all anymore but good for him is that Cyril Gane is not really a, a heavy puncher he does not throw a lot of power in his strikes he much prefers consistent volume with uh, solid technique very crisp technique and I mean I have to say that Cyril Gane is an incredible athlete one of the best athletes in the UFC right now and he's going to be so much faster than Junior Dos Santos that a knockout really is possible because Gane's punches are going to be landing he's going to be outstriking Junior Dos Santos at distance with his kicks. So it's entirely possible that Gan just lands a clean shot and is able to knock out Junior Dos Santos. Considering the fact that I do not think that Gan is going to chase a knockout here and that Junior Dos Santos also has been fighting kind of a point fighting kickboxing type of style, I think this fight has great potential to go over one and a half, two and a half rounds to go the distance. It might be a medium tep uh, tempo decision that Ciro Gan likely edges on volume and wins via decision. And that's the way I'm leaning the fight to go. I do think it will go the distance. I will think it will be a Sirogan decision, but it's really hard to bet on that because of Junior Dos Santos' durability, because he could fall down from a punch at any time. He could be winning a fight looking good. The fight could be looking like it's going the distance, like the Rosenstrike fight, but then just two punches land, Junior Dos Santos falls over, and the fight is over. So I advise against betting the overs, betting the goes the decision prop. Even though I do think that that is the way the fight goes, I just do not think that you can trust JDS's durability. I think that he could fall over from punches at any moment. Um, but my official prediction will be Cyril Gan to be the much more accurate striker. He will be much faster here, landing the harder strikes and winning a medium tempo decision. But if he gives Junior Dos Santos that type of fight, Dos Santos still has good technique. He still will put up volume. He will compete on volume and technique. So Junior Dos Santos is not completely out of this fight. And of course, it is heavyweight. So knockouts happen. Big punches land. Uh, I do think that Junior Dos Santos is worth a small stab at plus 325. Um, but do not go too heavy on it. A half a unit at the most. I likely won't be tracking this bet. This will be a kind of a personal play. But uh, Junior Dos Santos is probably a bit live at plus 325. But I will be picking Cyril Gane by decision. 
The next fight takes place in the middleweight division. We have Jacare Souza taking on Kevin Holland. The opening betting line for this one was Holland minus 175 to Jacare plus 135. Right now, over on Bet Online, we are seeing Jacare minus 115 to Holland minus 105. The line has flipped. We are now seeing Jacare Souza as the favorite. Some crazy line movement in this fight. Souza was around plus 145 earlier on in the week, which is where I entered in on him at. I tracked a one-unit bet on Jacare Souza at plus 142 on the FanDuel Sportsbook. And if you follow me on BetMMA Tips, you got an email when I tracked that bet. Hopefully, you were able to get in a bet on Jacare when he was still plus money as well because that plus money is gone. He is now the favorite. And I wouldn't. I don't know if he's the justified favorite. I think there's a bit of an injury rumor going around that Kevin Holland is injured, and that could be a part of this line movement as well. But I think definitely a plus 142, there was value on Jacare. And now where it's at now, I think it's probably a Kevin Hollander pass at these odds. Uh, if you wanted to get in on Jacare, the time has passed. So maybe look to live at Jacare if you're still looking to bet him. But getting down to analyzing this fight, very close competitive matchup between these two. With that opening line of Holland over 60%, I think there's a lot of recency bias going into this line. Kevin Holland is 4-0 during the quarantine, during the COVID, while Jacare Souza has not fought a single time. And Kevin Holland has gotten a lot of finishes in that time as well, but he hasn't been fighting the highest level competition. You know, Hernandez and that one Antiveros guy, he fought on short notice. The fight I think you really got to look at, his most recent fight against Darren Stewart, because he struggled a lot in that fight. He was taken down and stuck on bottom versus Darren Stewart, who is not a great grappler. And especially in round three, Kevin Holland was gassed out in round three. He was stuck on bottom. Uh, Darren Stewart was landing takedowns. He was keeping top position. He was landing ground to pound. I think there's a really good case that Darren Stewart actually won that fight, although Kevin Holland officially won that fight via split decision. So I think you got to wonder if Kevin Holland is getting taken down and stuck on bottom versus Darren Stewart, who is not really known for being a great grappler. How does he match up with Jacare Souza, who is one of the greatest grapplers in the history of MMA? Doesn't really have reliable wrestling, doesn't have consistent takedowns to get the fight to the floor. But if the fight does end up on the floor, make no mistake, the Jacare will be a much better grappler than Kevin Holland. Even though Kevin Holland does have decent jujitsu. Holland tends to spend a lot of time on his back in his fights. He doesn't really have good initiative to get back up to his feet and kind of lays on his back for extended periods of time. That happened in the Mearshart fight. That happened in the Thiago Santos fight. And it happened most recently in the Darren Stewart fight. Even though Jacare Souza does not have reliable wrestling, I think that Kevin Holland's takedown defense is so bad that if Jacare attempts takedowns, he will hit the takedowns, and he will keep top position. Now getting down to analyzing the striking matchup between these two, it's a very close matchup. I think it's safe to say that Holland is the much faster fighter of these two. He is obviously much younger, and he will be putting up more striking volume on the feet, but Jacare Souza will be the more powerful striker. I think that he will be competing in terms of volume. He can put up a pretty high uh, pace in terms of striking, as we saw in Chris Wyden fight just a few years back. We haven't seen Jacare Souza put up a very consistent output fight since then, but the last time we saw him strike at distance for three rounds, he looked good. He looked durable. He was putting a pace on Wyman in round three of that fight and was able to land a nasty overhand right to knock him out. So on the feet in this fight, it is very competitive. I think that Kevin Holland's striking defense is not very good. It's kind of lackadaisical. And Jacare Souza has the power and the precision to make him pay for that. He's got very powerful head kicks, power in his hands as well. So Jacare Souza cannot be slept on on the feet. 
I will give Kevin Holland a slight striking advantage here because I think that the volume and the speed will play a factor in this fight and he could potentially win a decision, win some rounds on being the more volume striker in this, in this fight. I really like Jacare Souza as an underdog in this spot. I think he has more ways to win. I think he can hit takedowns and win the fight via his grappling. I think that he could cage push and win a grinding type of decision like he had against Jan Blahovic just earlier in the year. And I think that Jacare could potentially win the striking, could land hard shots, possibly rock and knock out Kevin Holland on the feet, or just compete on volume and win rounds. While I think Kevin Holland's only chance of winning the fight is stuffing takedowns and outstriking Jacare Souza. And I just have not seen Kevin Holland beat good enough opponents lately to think that he can do that here versus a legend like Jacare Souza. I mentioned I have a one unit bet on Jacare at plus 142, and I will be riding with that bet. I will be picking Jacare Souza to win the fight. I think he wins the fight via decision, honestly. I think he could really win by knockout, submission, or decision, but I think decision is the most likely. I think that Holland won't quit and will put up a decent fight, but will ultimately lose his fight via decision. At these current odds, I think you can make a decision for yourself. I cap Jacare Souza around 55%, but the best price on Jacare is long gone. He was an underdog earlier in the week, and you're kind of late to the party if you're jumping in on him as a favorite here. So if you still think there's value on that line at minus 115, then feel free to bet Jacare Souza. But I think as of right now, it's probably a pass on both sides here. Uh, probably Holland value at, this, at these odds. So the pick once again is Jacare by decision. The next fight takes place in the women's strawweight division. We have Mackenzie Dern taking on Virna Jandordova. The opening betting line for this one was Dern minus 156 to Jandordova plus 129. Right now over on Bet Online, we are seeing Dern minus 175 to Jandordova plus 150. More action coming in on the favorite Mackenzie Dern. And I understand that action. She is the more popular fighter amongst fans. She's coming off of two recent submission victories. Actually, both women are coming off of two recent submission victories. These two ladies are two of the best grapplers in the entire UFC. So once this fight hits the floor, it should be very competitive and entertaining. But when the fight is on the feet, it's going to be very sloppy and ugly. I think that Jandra Doba has slightly better striking technique, but she just doesn't really put a lot of power behind her strikes. While Dern's striking technique is terrible, she completely wings punches. But she's aggressive when she does show. She puts some power in her punches, and I think that... Mackenzie Dern is likely the more effective striker considering that she puts more power in her shots and when she lands I think that she will have more of an impact. When comparing wrestling between these two I think that Verna Jandrodoba is the much better wrestler. I think that she has a much easier time at hitting takedowns on her opponents. I think that she can shoot at the legs much easier. Mackenzie Dern really struggles getting her opponents down. She does not have very traditional wrestling where she shoots single legs or double legs. She likes going for a lot of upper body clinch stuff and ends up pulling guard or going for leg locks. And Mackenzie Dern's wrestling and her method of getting the fight to the floor is very sloppy and ugly. And if Verna wants to take this fight to the floor, I think she has a much more reliable way to do so. I trust her wrestling a lot more. I trust her takedowns a lot more. So if Verna chooses to do so, I do think that she can put Mackenzie Dern on her back. But that's kind of dangerous because Mackenzie Dern is very dangerous off of her back. She is, of course, an ADCC champion. She's got great leg locks. She's got guard submissions, arm bars, and triangles. Even though Verna Jandradova is a tremendous grappler, I think that we still could see 
Dern submit her off of her back. That's really how high level of a grappler Mackenzie Dern is. So I do not think it would be completely wise for Vernon Chandradoba to hit takedowns, but I do think that mixing in her offensive takedowns is going to be a way for her to win this fight. The striking is going to be competitive. It's going to be ugly. And if Verna can hit a late takedown at the end of a round, she might steal a round. I'm having a hard time trusting Verna Jandradova here and putting enough faith in her to bet her because I think the biggest advantage she has here is her wrestling and I think she can get the fight to the floor much easier but once she hits takedowns and gets the fight to the floor she's going to be in danger of getting submitted via guard submissions. She's going to have a tough time uh, passing the guard of Mackenzie Dern and she doesn't really land much ground to pound so it's going to be difficult for Verna Jandradova to win the fight from top position even if she hits those takedowns. I think a finish in this fight is very unlikely. I think a submission is the most likely from both of them considering they are both grapplers. A knockout is pretty much impossible. And I think overwhelmingly this fight does go to decision. So the best bet in this fight is probably the over two and a half rounds to go with the decision. That's probably a good way to cover both sides. And I think it will be a close competitive decision. Probably some sloppy moments at times, especially in the striking here. And I'm going to side with Mackenzie Dern because I think that she will be more effective when the fight is on the feet. Uh, even though I don't think that she gets the fight to the floor consistently, I think that she is the better overall grappler, and I think that she can make more opportunistic things happen once the fight hits the floor. So I will side with Mackenzie Dern to win a close competitive decision, but it is dogger pass. The value is on Jane Doba. I haven't bet her personally yet. And if you want to bet Jane Doba, I think you should go Jane Doba by decision at over 2-1. to one. That is probably the best bet for Jane Doba. But I like the over 2.5 here that goes the distance, and the pick is Dern by decision. The next fight takes place in the lightweight division. We have Tony Ferguson taking on Charles Oliveira. The opening betting line for this one was Ferguson minus 132, Oliveira plus 110. Right now over on Bet Online, we are seeing Ferguson minus 162, Oliveira plus 140. More action coming in on the favorite Tony Ferguson, and I understand why. I think I agree with that action. Of course, Tony is coming off of his first loss in 13 fights when he lost to Justin Gaethje in May. He was largely dominated that fight, got clearly outboxed, was hurt with strikes the entire fight, and eventually was knocked out in the fifth round. And he absorbed such a massive amount of damage in that fight. I'm really concerned about Ferguson, honestly. I really hope that he's able to recover from that because there's a good chance that he is never going to be the same fighter he was. I honestly think that Ferguson was already on the decline before that fight. I think if you look at the Tony Ferguson from 2015, 2016, he was just not the same fighter as the guy who was fighting Pettis and Cerrone. Um, so I think we were already starting to see Ferguson drop off a little bit, and that massive amount of damage, that defeat to Gaethje might really send him off the deep end, and he might never recover, potentially. On the other hand, you got Charles Oliveira, who was on a massive win streak, seven-fight win streak, all seven wins coming by finish. Those seven wins didn't come against the highest level of competition, a lot of mid-level lightweights in there, but he still finished them in impressive fashion. His striking has been looking a lot better, and I think that Oliveira has been looking a lot more like Tony Ferguson in his recent fights. He's throwing a lot of long, rangy strikes like jabs and front kicks. He's putting up high volume. He's pressuring his opponents, and of course, he has those takedowns and his amazing submissions, most submissions in UFC history, and that record will never be broken by anybody. So people have been respecting Oliveira on the mat for a long time now, but people are finally gaining some respect for his striking after he's seeing massive improvements in his striking. He's been knocking out opponents like Nick Lentz, Jared Gordon with strikes. He was pressuring and using a good game plan against Kevin Lee. 
I will say in that Kevin Lee fight, I did not like the way Oliveira was neglecting his boxing defense. He was kind of trusting his chin and durability, not really respecting the power of Kevin Lee and marching forward through those punches. And Oliveira tends to do that a lot. Not really known for having good boxing defense. He kind of can march forward and eat punches at times. David Tamer was able to drop him when Oliveira rushed forward recklessly. Neither of these guys have really great boxing defense, and they both kind of willingly eat strikes. So when this fight is on the feet, it's going to be competitive. Both are going to be landing. Both are going to be putting up a high volume. And I think this fight is really going to come down to who can put who on the back foot because neither of these guys are really good when moving backwards. They're much more comfortable when coming forward. So it's really going to be who can get their pressure going first, who can put up volume and get the guy moving backwards. And I kind of trust Tony Ferguson to do that. I think that he will put Oliveira on the back foot. He will be the one landing and dictating the pace of this fight. But Oliveira has that offensive wrestling to mix things up as well. I think that he does have the better wrestling of the two. Tony Ferguson's takedown defense is not very good. He kind of willingly flops to his back a lot of the times because he willingly embraces those grappling scrambles. But this fight is really going to have it all. It's going to have competitive grappling, competitive striking. Both these guys are going to be having success. It's going to be a really high output fight. I think a pretty common assumption for this matchup is that one guy finds a finish on one another, but I would be pretty surprised to see either submit one another. They both have incredible jujitsu. I think a knockout is the most common uh, finish on either side here, but honestly, I think this fight has a good chance of going to the decision. I think these two are both so evenly matched. It's going to be so competitive on the feet and on the ground, and they're both durable, tough, high output. I think that we see a close competitive decision where one guy will edge it. And win the fight via 29-28 decision. I'm going to go with Tony Ferguson by decision as my pick. I still have a little bit more faith in Tony at this point. Although it's not a confident pick. Because I think that if you're picking Tony here, you are kind of picking Tony to return to his old self. Return to the Tony from a few years ago. Meanwhile, Oliveira has a much higher ceiling. He has momentum behind him. He's on that win streak. He doesn't have that burden of coming off that dominant loss in the back of his head like Tony Ferguson does. So it's a confusing fight to predict, honestly. It's a very competitive, amazing fight. Can't wait for this matchup. In terms of bets for this one, I think the goes the distance has value. And I think that in terms of money lines, I think it is Oliveira or pass. I do not think you can be laying the chalk on Ferguson at this price. There are just too many concerns around Ferguson to trust him at over 60% here. I would cap the fight right around 55 to 60% for Ferguson. So slight favorite for Ferguson is justified, but where it's at now, it is dog or pass. I'm expecting an amazing competitive fight between these two. Not the most confident pick, but I am leaning Ferguson decision here. The next fight is the main event of the card, and it is for the UFC Flyweight Championship. We have champion Davison Figueredo taking on Brandon Moreno. The opening betting line for this one was Figueredo minus 275 to Moreno plus 235. Right now over on Bet Online, we are seeing Figueredo minus 315 to Moreno plus 265. More action coming in on the favorite, the champion Davison Figueredo in this one. And I'm going to disagree with the action. I think that where the opening line was set was accurate. Although there's not much of a difference in the current prices. I do think it is dogger pass at these current money line odds. If you want to bet Davis and Figueredo, I think the better bet to make is Figueredo inside the distance or Figueredo in rounds one, two, or three. Because if he wins this fight, it likely is by finish, likely by early finish. While if Moreno is able to pull off the upset here, in my opinion, it is overwhelmingly likely that it is by late finish in rounds four or five or by decision. 
Before analyzing this fight entirely, I gotta give a lot of respect to both guys. I'm a huge fan of both fighters. They both fought and won at UFC 255 just three weeks ago, winning both of their fights via first round finish, and they're taking a very quick turnaround here. Davison Figueredo is taking the quickest turnaround for defending his UFC belt in UFC history by a wide margin. The previous record was 56 days, and he is turning around in 21 days to defend his belt again. But I understand why. He took barely any damage in that Alex Perez fight. He exchanged a few body kicks. He defended a takedown and snatched up an arm in guillotine. So he really showed how dangerous of a grappler he is. And if you go back and listen to my prediction of that fight, I pointed that out, that even if Alex Perez was hitting takedowns, Figueroa is so dangerous with his submissions that I do not think that Perez will defaultly win if he's hitting takedowns. And that's exactly what happened. The first takedown that was landed, Figueredo snatched up a submission and ended the fight right away. So that just proves how amazing of a fighter Figueredo is, not only on the feet as a knockout artist, but as a grappler and as a mixed martial artist as a whole. Now getting over to Moreno, I've been giving him praises for his past few fights, the improvements that he's made, his boxing looks so sharp, his durability is incredible, he can absorb massive shots, and his defensive grappling has gotten a lot better as well. He was able to escape some difficult positions versus Juicier Formiga. In Moreno's last fight against Roy Vall three weeks ago, I think a lot of people were assuming that Moreno would be the much better striker in that fight and Roy Vall would be the better grappler, but that fight really didn't turn out that way. It was actually a pretty competitive fight on the feet. Moreno didn't look really comfortable with the southpaw striking of Roy Vall. Roy Vall came out really aggressive and made Moreno uncomfortable in those first few minutes. But once the fight hit the floor, we actually saw Moreno be the better grappler. He was able to get uh, a creative back take on Roy Vall and hold him down for a few minutes and eventually get a dominant position where he was able to hurt Roy Vall, dislocate his shoulder, and got a round one TKO. So it wasn't an overwhelmingly convincing win because there was an injury related to the fight. But Brandon Moreno still looked really good in that fight. His offensive grappling looked good. But as I just mentioned, I did not like the way that Moreno was responding to the southpaw striking of Roy Vall. He looked pretty uncomfortable early on in that fight. And Figueroa does have the ability to switch up and go southpaw. He is traditionally orthodox, but... In the Alex Perez fight, he started that fight southpaw and was having success with that left body kick from the southpaw stance. So we really should look out for Figueroa to switch up his stance here and to use that southpaw stance to make Moreno more uncomfortable. These two have a very different style of striking. We have Moreno who is a combination volume puncher and Figueroa who is a low output counter puncher. I gotta give credit to Moreno for looking really good in the striking versus Askar Askarov, Kaikar Franz, Juicier Formiga, three really good wins. But I look at those fights and I still see a bit of a defensive liability from Marino. He still tends to trust his chin and his durability too much and doesn't really avoid the punches coming at him. I think that's really evident in the Kaikar France fight. France was still landing some clean right hands in round one, and Marino was just eating them. And he's not going to be able to do that here versus Figueredo because Figueredo is such a hard hitter. He's probably one of the hardest hitters in the entire UFC. So if Marino is trusting his chin and his durability, that is a recipe for disaster here because I think that Figueredo has the power to hurt and to put away Marino if Marino doesn't uh, take that boxing defense seriously in this matchup. In terms of the grappling in this fight, both are incredible grapplers, but I think that Brandon Marino is the better overall grappler of the two. I think that he is better from an offensive perspective where he can hit takedowns and do better work from top position. While Figueredo doesn't really like hitting takedowns, he is good defensively. He can scramble, he can throw up submissions, he can attack off of his back, and he's very hard to hold down, but he's not really known for offensive wrestling like Marino can do in some of his fights. 
So getting down to how I think this fight will play out, I do think that Moreno has the potential to win minutes with his volume, with his combination striking, but he's just going to be in constant danger from that one counterpunch that could put his lights out at any time. And even if Moreno is having success early on in the fight, winning some minutes, I cannot shake the feeling that he inevitably gets hurt with some big strikes and gets put away in these first two rounds. One big thing about this fight is the difference in power between these two. Moreno lacks power. I will say that is he landed so many punches versus Kai Car France and never really had Kai Car France hurt at any point in time in that fight because he just does not sit down on his punches in the same way that Figueredo does. Um, so there's going to be a massive power discrepancy between these two. And I don't think that Moreno will have the power to keep Figueredo off of him. He won't have the power to get Figueredo's respect. And Figueredo will just continue to walk him down until he lands that counter shot that eventually puts Moreno down for the finish. I do think that Figueredo does get a knockout here in rounds two or three. I think from an official prediction standpoint, I'm going to go with a Figueredo round three knockout. I think Moreno is extremely tough. He will take a beating before going away like he did in the Pantoja fights. But eventually... Figueredo will find a finish likely here by knockout. So the pick is going to be Figueredo by knockout. If you want to bet Figueredo, I mentioned do it inside the distance or round one, two, and three. Well, if you want to bet Marino, I would say hold off to live bet him. Maybe bet round four, round five TKO props or better decision prop because Marino has a good chance at winning the fight if it does somehow make it to a decision. But in terms of pre-fight money line, I don't think there's much value on Marino. As I mentioned, there are better ways to met, bet Marino than there are at his current money line price. So the pick is going to be Figueredo knockout round three. Should be an incredible fight. Big fan of both of these guys. I would be pretty pleasantly surprised to see Marino pull off the upset, but I do not think it happens. And I think eventually Figueredo finds that knockout. So the pick, once again, Figueredo knockout round three. And that is going to do it for this episode of the Martian MMA podcast. I really enjoyed breaking down these fights. These are some amazing fights. We got some really good fights like Quarantillo Tucker, Holland Souza, Swanson Pineda. And then we have some elite level fights like Moicano Fiziev, Ferguson Oliveira, and of course the main event between Figueredo and Moreno. So really looking forward to this card. I already have two bets locked in on Moicano and on Jacare Souza. And I will be putting in some more bets like the Gavin Tucker money line bet probably Cub Swanson money line. So a lot of underdogs in this spot. I like the underdogs in this card. It's a really amazing card. So I hope you all enjoy the card, enjoy the pay-per-view. Hope you all win some bets. Thank you all for listening to this podcast, and I will see you all before the next UFC card next week. Peace.